0: church. I'm going to be reading the Bible today. And today we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 3 4 to 14. Okay. Let's do it. For this reason I knew before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth drives its name, I pray that out of his glorious richness he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and tight and steep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that supplies knowledge that may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now... To him who is able to be immeasurably more than all, we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory the church and the Christ Jesus for. All the generations
1: who have in their Bye-bye. Excellent. Thank you for reading the scriptures uh, for us, uh, Theo. Uh, let me pray for us uh, as we get into the word now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the way that you speak to us through your word. Uh, we thank you for the way that you show us our life uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that you teach us about your great power that is at work within us. We do pray that we would be greatly uh, strengthened and urged on uh, this morning as we're reminded of your great power for us, but also uh, your love for us in the Lord Jesus, that we may live and serve you always. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, power, power. Do you want Power. Do you love it? Do you chase after power? Or do you avoid it? Are you afraid of power? Do you even avoid those who have power? It seems even Google is divided on power. Some will say that power is gained by sharing knowledge, not hoarding it. Others say that power is the ability to get things done. And others yet say power is always dangerous. Power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. People can like power because we think it gives us the ability to control things, to control others. Uh, Maybe that's why uh, we like being asked what's our favourite superpower Uh, because deep down these are the things that we would maybe like to control the most but we know we can't. Some of us might avoid power others might chase it with all we've got thrilled when we get it devastated uh, when we lose it it's a uh, it's a danger power particularly when it's used in domineering and oppressive ways we just need to turn on the news and see the way the power is used and abused around the world and yet power can be great when it's used to empower others to achieve the things that need to be done Power. Well, we've reached the halfway point of the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've kind of worked through the first half, and the first half looks at what God has done for us through Christ. Uh, and the second half really looks at the implications of that. What does it mean for us? In light of God saving us in Christ, what does it mean for us? How do we live a life of godliness uh, and faith? They are the, the two halves of the book of Ephesians. And Paul here, as he prays his second prayer from the book of Ephesians, uh, it's a really great uh, transition into that second half. And it's a prayer for God's power, his transforming power, Uh, to help us live that life of godliness and faith. Well, the first thing we see in our passage is that Paul prays to the Father. But before we uh, get into the prayer, he says that those words he said last week too, verse 14, are for this reason. He said that back at uh, at verse 1 in chapter 3 as well. And it's the same reason as before from chapter 2, that Christ, he has done this amazing reconciling work. Uh, That is, he's dealt with our sin and rebellion and and brought us reconciliation with God. But also we saw the great hostility, separation, and division between the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, And what in the reconciliation that Christ has done in bringing those two groups together to form one new humanity. You see, Christ through his blood, through his death on the cross, he has done amazing work of Reconciliation. Reconciling us to, to each other, but then also us together to God. Uh, that is the reason. But we also saw last week as, as another thing of the role that Paul had uh, and that manifold wisdom of God, that many-coloured wisdom of God. They, these are the reasons that Paul bows his knee now to pray. And he prays to the Father. Have a look there from verse uh, 14. For this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Uh, God the Father, He is great. He is wonderful. He is vast, unfathomable, holy, separate, awesome. Which would make us think that He's actually unapproachable, that we can't have anything to do with Him. And yet we've seen again and again in Ephesians that actually we have access to God. We can approach our Father in heaven because we are his dearly loved children. And so even though God is far away from us, wholly distinct, separate from us in every single way, we have full access to God. We can approach him in prayer. And we see here in verse 15 that every family derives its name from him. You see, God is the one who created all things, those things in heaven and and on earth, everything. That includes the, the stars in space, the trees in the forest, the water in the bay. But it also includes all families, all people, us and the families that we belong. Every family derives its name from God. You see, God created us. He created all things. And and this actually shows us his almighty power and authority. You see, God has authority over everything. And so as we come to God in prayer with the right response, not that we need to kneel to pray, if we can do that, that is fine, but, but the right posture of humility, that we recognize his supreme authority. You see, the more we understand God, the more we understand him as our father and his supreme authority, you see, the more we will trust him. And the more life gets difficult and challenges and uncertainty and all those things, the more we we trust him and and recognise him as his power, it actually helps us to, to press on regardless of the difficulties we find ourselves in. You see, our motivation to pray comes from knowing God better, as the supreme authority, whose power and love drives us, and there Paul's two petitions uh, that we see uh, in this passage uh, for power uh, and for love. So let's move on to the second point. Paul prays to the Father for power. Have a look there from verse sixteen. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Paul prays God will strengthen them with power in their inner being. You see, one's inner being is one's personal uh, internal character. You see, for the Christian, it's our, our godliness, our, our faith, our maturity in our walk with the Lord. It's, part, it's the part of us that will last into the new creation. Uh, It's the inner being that will last. You see, it's in contrast to the outer being, the part of our bodies that will waste away. You see, our bodies are frail. You see, we will age and our bodies slowly fall apart. They waste away with the arthritis or back pain, sore joints, the the grunts and groans as you pick stuff up from the ground, or the tiredness. You see, I'm I'm approaching uh, 40, and I am aware that my body is not what it used to be. My outer body is slowly wasting away. And what Paul prays here is not for the strength of the outer self, but for the inner being, that our inner being would be strengthened. He said our inner beings would be transformed in godliness uh, and maturity. I have a family uh, friend uh, who, who died uh, this, this week just gone. Uh, his body had been slowly, uh, well, rapidly falling apart uh, over the last uh, couple of years. But his love for Christ was such an encouragement, was such an encouragement. He had his eyes so firmly fixed on heaven, uh, he knew that leaving his family would be sad. He knew that would be difficult. But see, he was pumped he was stoked, he was so excited about going, to, going home and seeing his father in heaven to, to be with his Lord. You see, he lived here on this earth with one foot in heaven. His inner being had been strengthened. He'd been empowered by God to press on in, in godliness and in faith. You see, we live in a world that loves health, that idolises the the outer body, gyms, exercise, health kicks. And while these are good things and helpful for us to do, I'm not saying stop these, but you see, the outer body isn't all there is. You see, as Christians, we know, we should know that our outer body will waste away, it will perish. But with a strengthened inner being, we realise that our hope is not in these physical bodies with its aches and pains, but actually with our resurrected bodies, our bodies will have in glory. You see, our inner being needs strengthening because we are weak. As you look at Paul, remember last week we saw that he was locked away, he's in prison, looks pretty weak, doesn't he? And we might not get persecuted like, like he does, uh, but there's still weakness in our lives, is there not? Sickness opposition, struggles with sin, death. And you see, the danger for them and the danger for, for us is that we look for for strength and power in places other than God, whether it's money, health, family, success, as if these things will strengthen us and sustain us. But truth be known, those things, money, power, uh, family, those things will crush us just as much as they will strengthen us. You see, those things will not last. But our inner being that is strengthened by God through his power, well, that will last. And it happens through the work of the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells within us, who's strengthening us with the power of God. You see, we've already seen God's power at work in the book of Ephesians, haven't we? Do you remember back in chapter 1, again, in that first prayer that Paul prayed, was the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority. That same power that raised Jesus, that same power is at work within us. Strengthening us growing our inner being by his spirit to be in our character, in our godliness, to be more like Christ. You see, he strengthens us to press on in godliness as we await the arrival, our Lord, the arrival as he ushers in the new creation. And he does this through Christ, who lives and dwells within us. Have a look there from verse 17. Christ dwells in our hearts, Oh, so that, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in, our, in your hearts through faith. Christ dwells in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And his indwelling in us isn't some temporary abode, like that overpriced Airbnb you'll get over the holiday period this year. No, no, no. His abode in us is permanent. He dwells in us. But you see, the wording there makes, maybe makes us question that. That he may dwell in our hearts? Does he dwell or not? So I reckon this this story is is really helpful for us. Uh, Emily's uh, auntie and uncle, uh, they have regularly purchased houses that are the renovator's dream. You know the renovator's dream, those houses that are completely run down and need a heap of work? Uh, The house will be in terrible, terrible condition. There's holes in the floor and in the walls so that you can't even heat the place. Whatever temperature it's outside, it's the same inside. The electrics don't even work in half the house. And then there's the rubbish. The rubbish is just being dumped and left all over the place by the previous occupants. Many of us wouldn't even go into this place to look at it and go, as if we're going to buy this place, as if. But for those who love the renovator's dream, well... They love it. They see the potential. They buy it. They move in and they get to work. And then over time, they remove the rubbish. They, they patch the, the holes. They fix them. So they, they work in the walls and the, uh, and the floor. Heating now works perfectly. Cooling too. The electrics are fixed. And bit by bit, the house gets better and better until eventually it's pristine. It's beautiful. It's a house you want to live in. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. certainly doesn't happen overnight. And see, that is just like Christ who dwells within us. When we became Christians and put our trust in the Lord Jesus, he moved into us. Uh, and we, need, we needed a lot of work. We too were full of rubbish. Holes everywhere with electrical problems too. In our rebellion and sin and rejection of God, But see, over time, and with a great amount of power, he changes us bit by bit. He changes our inner being through the power of his strength to make us more like Christ. You see, God our Father, who used his power to raise Jesus from the dead, uses that same power to transform us, transform our inner beings to make us more like Christ. And he does it, verse 16, have a look there, out of his glorious riches. We've seen God's riches in Ephesians. We saw it back in chapter 1. He redeems us, forgives us from the riches of his grace, he lavishes on us. You see, God's not cheap in providing uh, what we need, he's no cheapskate. He gives out of his riches. I'm not sure if you've uh, ever needed to raise uh, funds uh, before, maybe for a, for a fun run, maybe for a project at work or something else you've done. And imagine that you approach this multi millionaire, uh, and, and you tell him about your project, you tell him what's happening, and he says, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll support you. And he pulls out his wallet and he uh, finds a lobster, 20 bucks, and, and gives it to you. And it's generous of him to, to give you 20 bucks. But imagine he actually sat down with you and he pulls out his checkbook and he says, how much do you need to get the job done? How much do you need to get the job done? And he's willing to give you whatever it takes, whatever you need so that you are able to get this job done. You see, in that, he's giving out of his riches. You see, that is what God does for us. He strengthens our inner being with power. And he does this out of his riches to make sure we get the job done. You see, God does all the heavy lifting, doesn't he? Did you notice that? And what do we bring? Verse 17, faith. We trust. We believe that the Lord will work within us, that he'll give us the power to strengthen our inner being, to trust that he'll grow us to be more like Christ. To say no to sin and yes to Christ, and yet we will fail, where well, we definitely we will we'll trip up, we'll succumb to the temptations of Satan, we 'll seek strength and power in other means other than God. There is no doubt that we will fail. But you see in faith. We will return to God with repentance and faith, continuing to seek to live for him and his ways, knowing that he gives us the power uh, to trust him again and again and gives us the power to show us. We can find it hard to express our faith in the pressures of today. And yet God, he strengthens our inner being with his almighty power. We have God's power you see what a wonderful thing to be praying for each other that our inner beings would be strengthened by his power and he prays for power and next he prays for God's power to grasp his uh, love verse 17 have a look there and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays uh, that we would have verse 18 power. See that word again, power or strength, your translation may have. That we would have the, the power to grasp, to comprehend Jesus' love for us, that we would realise how massive, how limitless his love for us is. And while we're aware of his love, we see that verse 17, that we're rooted and and established, we are grounded in his love. Uh, These words are images of of being secure with a firm foundation. We can't be be, uh, shifted or shaken. You see, we know that God loves us, and yet Paul prays that we would be, through his power, through his strength, that we would grasp how much more Jesus loves us, that he loves us more than we could ever imagine. And why? Well, it's probably because we don't appreciate it enough or that we don't adequately fathom how great his love for us truly is. You see, when we sin and seek pleasure uh, in the world rather than in Christ, or when we're tempted by Satan and slip up in in sin, or when we seek our own ambitions and neglect God and his good purposes, in a sense we haven't truly grasped his limitless love that Christ has for us. You see, just like the power to strengthen our inner being, we actually need God's power again to be working our lives to truly grasp Christ's great love for us. And how much does he love us? How do you measure his love? Well, he uses two examples. He uses a metaphor and then a paradox. First, the metaphor, verse 18, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It is limitless. But see, it's not just for me or his love for me, but it's actually all of us together, all the Lord's holy people, all the saints, verse 18, you see that? That is the the Jews and Gentiles together as one, all love together. We need each other to to truly grasp, to truly comprehend Christ's love for us. It is massive, massive. It is limitless. But then there's the paradox, verse 19. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. You see, his love's beyond mere knowledge. We can never reach the limits of understanding Christ's love for us. It is limitless. Far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And it's the love of and it's the love of God that's taken us people who lived against God who were completely undeserving who were spiritually dead who were without a claim on him who were deserving of his wrath and yet he brought us forgiveness he adopted us as his children he raised us to life he gave us new lives to live now and granted us a sure and, and rich hope for the future forever. You see, we know this love, this love that He has for us through the gospel, through God's word. And you know, we'll never plumb its depths fully, and we'll never completely grasp or comprehend His great love for us. You see, the more and more we see that God loves us through Christ and the more and more we reflect on it and the more and more we, we praise him for it, the more and more we will grasp how great his love for us is. But we can never reach that limit. There's so much more we can always know and understand. And you see, the only way to truly grasp, to, tr- to have a, a, a genuine, deep perception of, of Christ's love for us Well, it comes by spending time in God's Word as we read it it and and reflect on it and meditate it and let it drive us the way that we live, that it drives our prayers and seek it out. You see, it's also through hardship and struggles and, and trials and suffering that we see and experience God's great love for us. But this isn't just some intellectual exercise, as if, well, once I've got enough knowledge, I'm all good. I know his love. I've reached the limit. No, 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 no way. You see, this is love, not just about the head, but actually that leads us to action. You see, it's to have God's power within us, working within us, to appreciate his love, that we would be more mature, mature in our faith. Have a look there from verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, this is Paul's way of saying that you would be all that God wants you to be. That is, that you would be spiritually mature. You see, as we understand the love of Christ, how massive, how limitless his love for us is, Well, that drives us, that helps us to be spiritually mature in Christ, to live for him. You see, to be full and filled with Christ isn't about chasing after our own individual dreams, but instead being so caught up in God's great plans for the universe and being so caught up in his great love for us that that is what we want to do, to serve him. You see, we need the power of God to truly grasp Christ's limitless love for us so that we can lift our eyes above ourselves and the situations we find ourselves in instead looking up to Christ and his great love for us and his purposes instead. I, um, I read this uh, book Uh, to my kids. It's called I'll Always Love You. I was going to show it to you, but then I couldn't find it. But then Bella found it in the car yesterday. How amazing is that? Anyway, I don't have it here. I forgot to grab it. All right, it's in the car. (laughs) Hilarious. I drove here today. Anyway, anyway, it's this book, I'll Always uh, Love You. Anyway, it's about a child bear uh, who breaks his mother's favorite, favorite honey jar while she's asleep. And the bear feels awful, he feels terrible that he's broken his mother's favourite jar. And he can't quite bring himself to confess uh, what he's done. Anyway, she wakes up and in conversation with, with, with his mum, uh, he says, how much do you love me? And he comes up with all the situations. What if I did this, would you love me? What if I did that, would you still love me? And each time the mother says, I will always love you. Anyway, he finally plucks up enough courage to say, what if I broke your favourite honey jar? And mum says, even if you break my favourite honey jar, I'll always love you. You see, the love a parent has for their child is vast. It is. But see, the love that Christ has for us is, surpasses all knowledge. It is so big and vast. His love for us is limitless. And Paul prays that we will, through the power of God, will truly grasp how limitless his love for us truly is, that we would seek to live for God rather than ourselves and grow in maturity in faith. Well, Paul has uh, prayed for these uh, two things. Uh, for the strengthening of the inner being by the power of God and by the the power of him to to truly grasp and comprehend his love for us. Two petitions. Now he moves on to a doxology that is a a word of of praise for God's uh, glory. You see, Paul prays these incredible prayers. And, you know, we can pray these incredible prayers too. But we might doubt. We might doubt and wonder, well, will he answer our prayers? If I could, he actually do what I ask. Well, have a look there from verse twenty, and see what he says. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we are, score imagine, according to his power that is work at work within us. Well, what does he say about prayers? Well, at the basic level, he says Paul can do. uh, Paul tells us that God can do what we ask him. You see, God is not idle. He's not active, inactive. He's not dead. He actually says more than that, doesn't he? He actually says he can do what we ask him. For he hears and answers our prayers. But more he can do more than we ask him. But actually it's God can do immeasurably more than we ask him vastly, infinitely more than we ask. But he can actually do immeasurably more than all we ask. But not only what we ask, but also, do you see that? What we think or imagine. All the things we don't have the courage to put into words, well, God can do them. You see, our father is not only all-powerful, he is generous. He loves to give good gifts to his children. Who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, through His power, work within us. You see, can God really answer our our prayers? You bet He can. He's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine. If you've ever needed or wanted an incentive to pray, let this be the incentive to bring all your requests to God. And Paul reminds us to frame our prayers to the glory of God. Look there from 20, verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, we can pray for good things that God would strengthen us with his power, that he would, through his power, help us truly grasp God's great love for us. But you see, we can do these kind of things sometimes just thinking about ourselves selfishly rather than thinking about God. We can sometimes pray these great prayers thinking that the world revolves around us. Uh, and when we do that, we actually bump God off his rightful place. <laughs> You see, when we pray and bring our requests to him, do we have a mindset of bringing God glory, that he would be made more famous? Is that what we want? Do we want God to be more glorified and famous rather than us? Is God the centre of our thoughts, our prayers, our pursuits in life? Do we want him to be honoured and glorified more than anything else? Even more than ourselves, you see, this is the pray to the glory of God. It's an active acknowledgement, and God's glorified through the church—the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles in Christ—who does that great reconciling work, and it's for all generations: those who first received the letter two thousand years ago, and in us today, and forever and ever. You see, we face trying times ahead as a church, as a society, as as people. And it's at these times that we need to come to our knees uh, in humility, humbling ourselves before our Father in heaven in prayer, as we pray for each other and we pray for ourselves too. And how do we pray? Well, we pray to the Father for his power to strengthen us in our inner being and for his power to grasp Christ's limitless love for us so that God would be glorified. What a wonderful prayer, hey? Let's pray it together now. Let's pray together. For this reason, we kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. We pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us. To you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.